Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Hey, thank you for joining us at Rainier View. We are wrapping up our series today on breaking the cycle of shame. And so hopefully as we've gone through the series and you've been able to join us, if you haven't, just to get you up to speed, we've been looking at the soundtracks, the scripts, if you will, that we listen to in our minds that often keep us a script of shame on repeat over and over again. And that cycle continues to repeat. And what we've been looking at in the series is how we can break that cycle of shame. And we've looked at some of God's word to help us be able to do that. Uh, and so this morning, what we want for you to do is to be able to live out of some freedom from shame. Today is the time for you and I to rise and shine. Obviously not like physically, hopefully you've are already awake before you joined us, but, but kind of, you know, metaphorically speaking, we need to wake up to the reality of some of these scripts we've been listening to and think about how we can break free from those. That this year, 2022, could be a year that you look back on and say, this was the year that I made a decision, I made a choice that I was gonna replace some of these scripts, these soundtracks of shame that I listened to over and over again in my mind, that I made a decision to stop listening to those and to choose to view myself the way that God does and listen to the scripts that he has for me. And so one of those that we looked at earlier in this series that uh, Pastor Erica opened up with uh, in Ephesians 1 was a script out of there that just gives us some, some of the ways that God views us and the impact that can take place in our lives when we begin to view ourselves the way that God views us. Uh, and so that, that prayer in Ephesians 1 was written to the church in Ephesus in the first century AD. And so there's, again, these powerful scripts that, that are given to the people in Ephesus to live out of because in their city, just like in our culture, they had all these different sorts of scripts to believe in and buy into. Uh, and so Acts 19 gives us a little bit of background around um, some, of the, some of the scripts that people would buy into there. That uh, the city of Ephesus was the center of worship for the goddess Artemis. And so because of that, it brought their city a lot of economic prosperity. It brought them a lot of prestige. And so this was something that the people of Ephesus would have looked at, generally speaking, in their culture as this beneficial thing, this good thing. And then these followers of Jesus come along and they begin to challenge that script with a new one where Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. We see a clash over these scripts, these different ways of thinking. Uh, and so there's, uh, I'm going to read from Acts 19, verse 27, the way that this one silversmith of the city who fashioned these idol statuettes of the goddess Artemis, how he describes this issue for him. It says, Acts 19, verse 27, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. And then in Acts 19, that passage goes on to describe that a mob formed and they chant for two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Okay, 
there's a script going on in that city. And really, uh, the city of Ephesus is not so different than our culture, just like I alluded to a moment ago. Uh, think about some of the scripts that might have been running through the heads of this silversmith and others in the city. Well, why, if we lose our place of prestige and honor by being the place where Artemis is worshipped, what's going to happen to all our prosperity? What's going to happen to that? We're not going to have that. Life is going to end up being kind of terrible. If we lose this status, we're going to be nobodies on, on the world stage here. We're not going to be a destination for anybody anymore. Even thinking about this silversmith, right? He's got to be thinking, this is my talent. This is what brings me value and worth. And if I don't have this, what do I have? I'm going to be a nobody. We can see, right, in this context, those scripts, those soundtracks of shame that we return to, man, were very similar, most likely, in first century Ephesus, just as they are today. We struggle and wrestle with the same things. And so this morning, I want us to examine the soundtracks. I want to examine the scripts that Paul gives to those in Ephesus that he offers as a way to be counter to the scripts of shame that we might fall into and be tempted to buy into. And that we're going to look at some of these biblical passages that help us see how we can live out of freedom from shame beginning this year. We can experience a break in the cycle that maybe has been repeating in your mind for months, for years, even decades. And so uh, join me, kind of open up to your Bible, digital, physical, whichever one. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so this is a powerful prayer that is packed with so much that God wants for us. What I want to do is just pick out a few lines and help us see some scripts that we can begin speaking to ourselves that God believes about us, that God wants us to know, that can help us break those cycles of shame. And so uh, the first one is in verse 17 where it says this. Let's read this again. That God wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God desires for us to know him, which is why we talk often about one of the things, one of the reasons, core reasons that we gather and meet here at Rainier View is to pursue God together. And one, one of the reasons we do that is this very prayer we see here that God wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is really the ability to live life rightly, the way that the creator intended us to. And so that's what wisdom is, the ability to live life 
rightly. It's not about head knowledge. It's about practical application. And then revelation is, is about obviously being able to see clearly. And so that seeing clearly, that clarity starts with seeing ourselves, viewing ourselves the way God views us. And that is what allows us to live differently. Let's go on and look back at, at another verse out of this prayer in verse 18. The passage goes on to say and talk about the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That faith truly provides you and I with everything that we need, not everything we want, not everything we want to experience or have or get, but it truly can give us everything that we actually need. But look back where it says that inheritance in his holy people. Part of accessing that inheritance, those riches that are available to us, is by committing ourselves to a local expression of the church, a gathering of God's people. That's how we access these riches. Uh, and so connection to a local church requires contribution. It requires sacrifice. There's no way around that. But let me ask this, because in a day and age, right, where being involved in a church is, is questioned. Do we need to do that? Is it, is it Im that important? Do I need to commit to making that happen? Where we're seeing the rise of so many individuals who are indicating spiritually none, spiritually nothing, no religion, when, when asked what category, what box do you fit into? I think there's something that is being unknowingly lost by so many by not belonging to a community of faith that helps us answer those big questions of life. Because we need a community to help us navigate those big questions, to help us navigate the difficulties of life. Whether we realize it or not, we need that community around us. And I think if we're trying to cobble together from the internet, from various YouTube videos or TikTok videos or reels or whatever, and we're trying to piece together some patchwork worldview out of all that, Man, that simply pales in comparison. It is a poor substitute for the millennia-long track record of the local church experience to be a place that gives us meaning, it gives us belonging, it gives us purpose, and there's, there's simply not a replacement that we can grasp and piece together on our own on the internet like being, being connected to a community of faith. Right? Now, whether it's a 10-minute reel, or I mean a 10-second reel, or like a 90-second video clip, like those things have their place. We all need to watch some dumb pet video or some cute pet video, right, and have a laugh, have a little break in our day. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with watching a 90-second or two-minute video to help us figure out how to cook something better in the kitchen, or even to have some just kind of a little bit of piece of encouragement. But that's about getting a little bit of entertainment. That's about getting a little piece of knowledge, but wisdom, how to live rightly, man, that is not something that we can just simply piece together from the internet. I believe it's something that we can only do in community with others. That community can begin and even be virtual in some cases, uh, but most often there's a, there's a hybrid nature to it. We're going to experience community both in digital ways and in-person ways. And however we meet, what we need to know is this, that there is an inexhaustible store of riches available to any and all who truly commit to pursuing God in community together. That's what's promised in that prayer, that the inheritance is accessed through his holy people. 
We need that type of community to carry us through our darkest moments and our greatest crises that we face. You know, it's backed up actually by, by research that we need community so desperately in our lives if we're going to break the cycle of shame. Brene Brown is uh, an author and a researcher who has uh, dove deep into the study of the connection between shame and vulnerability. And this is uh, kind of a real short, pithy statement that captures a lot of her research on this. She says this, that shame cannot survive being spoken. Shame cannot survive being spoken. And then she goes on to add kind of three components, three things that shame needs to thrive, to continue to grow exponentially. And she says uh, that what shame needs to grow is secrecy, silence, and judgment. But in the face of that trio, there's one thing that truly erodes shame, and it's simply this. It's being met with empathy. Wow. Those things, those things that grow in, in the shadow of shame and continue to, again, become larger and larger, and maybe we feel stuck in the cycle of shame, they begin to be eroded. They break down when we are met by, with empathy by other people. And this is the good news. This is why the church literally exists. We exist to be a community that no matter where you are coming from, no matter what your baggage is that you might be bringing in today, no, no matter what you are dealing with in the moment, that the church community is a place that any and all should be able to experience and know the grace of Jesus in our lives. No matter what we face, no matter what we are up against, this is why we meet and gather. And so if we're going to hear that soundtrack, the truer soundtrack that God wants for us to listen to and live out of, we're going to need to learn to hear from one another, to be seen, to be vulnerable enough to share who we are and to be met with empathy. And so when we learn to do that and we begin to trust in those scripts that God has for us, we experience an access to a power that allows our lives to be transformed. And so I want to look at one more piece of this prayer uh, as, as we kind of continue to go through this. Let's pick back up in verse 19. Ephesians 1 verse 19 says, In his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and really discuss for a bit the, the reality of the resurrection and the issue of belief in the resurrection. Because we might be tempted to, believe, to think, okay, I'm tracking with you. But if we're honest with ourselves, we all have moments where it's like, Jeff, dead people don't come back to life. This sounds a bit fairy tale-ish, what you're asking me to buy into week in and week out. And what do I do when I question that? Or it just seems like it can't it can't really be true. And we can be tempted then to opt to kind of believe that, well, maybe we can just buy into the allegory. Maybe we can just buy into the metaphor of Jesus and kind of just take those, take those values that are talked about alongside Jesus, but that we don't have to buy this whole story that he was a real person. We don't necessarily have to believe in a resurrection. We can just kind of take those good teachings and that can be enough. 
Okay, and you can find voices on the internet that will tell you that, yeah, that's actually a better way to interpret Christianity today, uh, that you can kind of pick and choose, you can keep the parts that, that you love and you don't have to worry about the parts that make you uncomfortable. And now here's the thing, we might think that we're so evolved as a society, this is brand new, look how, look how smart we are. Uh, just go ahead and Google Thomas Jefferson Bible and you can see as humans, we've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years trying to get rid of parts of the Bible that just, just don't sit well with us or difficult parts that we, that we can't seem to, to wrap our minds around. But here's the thing, when it comes to the resurrection, the New Testament itself makes zero sense without a resurrection. Look with me at what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 17 and 18 and 19. We read this, and if Christ has not yet been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Remix, if the resurrection isn't real, we are the biggest losers on the planet if we're following Jesus because it's all just a story. The New Testament itself, that's what it says. That's what it says. And so here's the thing. You've got a problem unless you're willing to go full atheist, 100% all in that there's not a God. You've got a problem with this. Uh, I can just take the idea of Jesus. I don't need to believe in the resurrection because the vast majority of human beings throughout throughout the centuries and even today believe in some sort of higher power believe in some sort of god and if there is a god why would it be hard why would it be impossible for the eternal creator of the universe to accomplish, accomplish resurrection short answer it wouldn't be and in fact, when Paul is on trial for his faith, uh, we read towards the end of the book of Acts in chapter uh, 26, verse 8, this is exactly what Paul says. He says this there, why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? So unless you're a full-on 100% atheist, you got a problem because if there's a God, he can accomplish this. Now, for my friends who are joining us, say, yeah, I'm an atheist. You're dumb for what you believe, Jeff. Let me pose this question to you. I would love to sit down at some point and like, grab coffee or grab a Zoom call, and I would love a, an actual dialogue uh, of respect with one another as we talk about these issues. But let me pose kind of the opening question if we sat down for coffee. I would say it like this. that I would challenge you that your faith that there is not a God requires faith just like our faith, our Faith requires us to have faith that there is a God. Um, did you catch what I said there? Um, hopefully you did, right? That it requires faith to believe that there's not a God, just like it requires faith to believe in a God. There is no scientific evidence whatsoever to prove one way or the other that God does exist or does not exist because the infinite creator of the universe, if he exists, cannot be subjected to the scientific method. It's just not possible. But logically, we can't carry that forward and say, therefore, he doesn't exist because we can't apply the scientific uh, method to him, okay? It, it does not follow logically. And in fact, I think it takes much more faith uh, 
for us to believe as people that somehow matter and or energy, I am not smart enough in science to know which, which comes, comes first here in this situation, but that somehow matter and or energy has just always existed forever or it popped out of a vacuum of nothing and somehow there was something, how that takes less faith than believing that there's an eternal creator, I just don't simply see that. I believe that takes more faith to believe that's how we exist and that's how our universe came to be rather than looking at the, the level of engineering encoded into life itself to me makes it easier to believe that there's a creator of life behind all of that. The question isn't which one takes belief. They both take belief. The question that we have to ask ourselves is which of those scripts, which of those scripts helps me make the most sense of my life? Which of those scripts helps me answer the big questions in life? And which of those scripts and soundtracks helps me actually deal with my shame? Because here's the thing, if you and I are just carbon and chemicals and that's it, there is no hope for you to deal with your shame. There is no power for you to change. You are just merely a product of happenstance and your environment and the systems and structures around you and that's it, game over. There's nothing you can do about it. But here's the soundtrack of faith. Here's the soundtrack of, of what a biblical worldview can give you. That we have value and worth and agency in our world because we are unique individuals who have been created in the image of God and therefore, not only do we have worth because of that, but we can know that there is a power greater than myself that can help speak into those scripts, those soundtracks of shame, okay? And so even beyond that, whether you're like, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to believe in the resurrection yet. I wanna get that cup of coffee, Jeff. But here's the thing, what you cannot deny is the power of the good news of Jesus for thousands and thousands of years that has helped people overcome their soundtracks of shame, that has allowed them to change their lives, to experience transformation. That is undeniable, okay? And so the question to ask, to ask ourselves is this, what does my big picture story that I believe about myself, which one is gonna actually help me face my shame, and break that cycle of shame? That's the question before us in this series, okay? And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the most freeing soundtrack that we can listen to and live out of. And so you might still have questions about that. You might still have doubts. We all do from time to time at minimum, some of us more than others. You need to know there is no shame in that, okay? And, and if you're worried about being shamed, guess what? People have, throw have thrown shade at me and given me shame about that very thing. So you'll be in good company at Rainier View at least. And so um, the question really is that, that we have to come to the point where we realize we have a choice to make around the big story that we're listening to that answers the big questions that we have in life. And that that shame that we're dealing with, that cycle that we're dealing with, would we at least be willing to consider how Jesus speaks to that. And maybe we're following Jesus. Will we be willing to open that up to our relationship with God, to share that and begin to share that, not only with God, but with some trusted other people in our lives. And that's why we're doing this series. And that's why the truth in Ephesians 1 that we're looking at this morning and we looked at earlier in the series is so vital. 
Because we keep ourselves from pursuing freedom most often, I believe, because we think we're not worthy of it. Now, maybe for some of us, it's just we don't, we don't recognize our sin and shame. We're like, I'm all good. No, I don't need any of this. But I think for far, far more of us, we desperately need to know that there is a power greater than our shame. And at Rainier View, we want you to know that that power is the same power that was alive and active that rose Jesus from the dead. And it is the same power that's offered to you and I in the face of whatever shame that we're facing, in whatever cycle that we are trying to break free from in our lives right now. And so we have choices to make around our shame. And so what are we going to do in the face of those soundtracks, in the, in, in the cycles that we're stuck in? Just a couple real-life examples, things that, that we all have dealt with or we know somebody who's dealing with right now. Maybe for you, that, that shame soundtrack looks like a relationship that you're in, a romantic one, where... You're with somebody because you, you think, well, as a woman, you just don't look like these other women. And so, well, at least I'm with him, right? Uh, even though you know that relationship isn't healthy, it's not good for you. Maybe you're, you're a guy and you're like, well, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not manly enough. I don't make enough money. And so, well, like at, at least I'm with her, right? Even though you know that the relationship is not good for you. Maybe you're married and you just shrug your shoulders sometimes and say, well, that's just the way he or she is. I mean, what, what else can I hope for? And you remain stuck in a loveless and a conflict-laden relationship rather than looking for how to break that cycle of shame that begins in your mind, not in your partner, not in your spouse's mind. Maybe for some of us, we've turned to some addictive sources to help cope and deal with the pandemic of the last couple of years. Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's sexually explicit material online, but you've turned to some sources just to take the edge off the stress. But then you kept using more and more of that to deal with the stress in particular of the last couple of years. And you've continued to keep using the pills or keep drinking more or keep looking at more pornography online. But your life hasn't fallen apart yet. And so you don't know, you don't want to open up to anybody. You don't want to share those parts of yourself, but you feel the shame. And so what do you do? You return to the addiction all the more to draw comfort. And that cycle of shame has been spinning and spinning. And you're just worried, when is it all going to come crashing down? How much longer can I keep this under control? And I think so often it begins with, in our minds, that shame script, one of the things it tells us is, well, Having something or someone to rely on is better than having nothing or no one to rely on. But man, that is a, is a cycle of shame that we want to break and that we want to help you live a, a free life, a life of freedom that is offered through what Jesus has accomplished for us. This is the power of faith in our lives that, that we're talking about. That These negative scripts of shame are like an invasive species that roam around our hearts and our minds. But today can be a moment where you decide, no, no longer am I just going to let this thing continue to be a cycle. I'm going to break this cycle now. As I started with, we need to rise and shine. 
not physically, but in our hearts and our minds, we need to be awakened to how God wants us to break free from those scripts, from those cycles of shame and experience something different. And I, I'm going to read one last verse that I think is going to be such an encouragement to us from Ephesians chapter 5. And we looked at how uh, Paul spoke to the city of Ephesus, to those different scripts in the city. And this is what is written in Ephesians 5, beginning verse 12. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Yes, that there are some parts of our lives that we would prefer to remain hidden, that we want to keep those hidden, whether they're big sins, whether they're just little sins that might embarrass us somewhat, that maybe, maybe we don't think they're a, a big deal, but we don't want to put them out there. Those feed into these cycles of shame rather than keeping us from bringing out into the light that shame. Because you notice what the passage says. It says, everything illuminated will become a light. This is amazing that when we bring our shame into the light, that God can literally transform it. He can take what is shameful. He can take what we feel like is failure and a, and a cause to, to not open up to others, to feel unworthy of his love. God says, no, no, no. I can take that and transform that into light. I can, I can change that to, for something that was sin, that for something that was death in your life, that that can be a testimony, a powerful ministry for good. I can transform and work miracles through that. And so now is the time to act. Today, don't put it off any longer. What do you need to make a break from? Where do you need to break that cycle of shame? Right now, today is the moment where you need to choose to commit to following Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time and say, I need to follow you. I need that power to transform my shame into light. Or maybe for some of us, we just need to recommit to our faith, to, to recommit to pursuing God and engaging in community so that God can continue to transform stories that look like shame into stories that become glory, that God will be more known in our world. Thank you for joining us today at Rainier View. We hope that you will join us back here next week as we continue in a brand new series, Relationships. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org. 